Church, 2023 is over. Can we just take a moment to just dust that off of us? 2023, come on. Some of you, I know you got to take like a rucksack. It's a lot of weight, but for many of us, it's just kind of a, a dust off. I'm ready for 2024. Anybody else? 20, a few of us. Okay, some of you are like, uh, given the last three years, I'm waiting to see. We're going to watch and see how this bad boy turns out. Hey, I did something this morning that I've not done in 30 days. In one whole month, I've not done it. Um, now, that's kind of a big deal for me because over the past year, I've done it every single morning religiously without fail. This morning, I stepped on the scale and uh, I, I realized that the moment I stepped on the scale, I was leaning on the counter to take off a little bit of weight. And then I backed off and I'm like, no, I need to see the reality of the damage that I've done over Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, the, the truth is, I just, I didn't want it to be revealed that I had returned to cookies and ice cream and Italian food. And... Uh, even two trips to Taco Bell. Please don't stone me. Please don't stone me, but, but I'm, I'm back on the scale. I was actually pretty happy. Tim, you'll be proud of your brother here. I'd, I only gained one pound. Yes. Don't clap, because I probably lost a lot of muscle and gained a lot of fat. I don't know the ratio of how that adds up, but it's only one pound, so... Um, I don't feel too bad. So I just want to encourage everyone, step on the scale. Just do it. Because not stepping on the scale doesn't help you. Neither does leaning on the counter. Leaning so that thing lies. I mean, the, the truth is, church, you must be willing to tell the doctor what's wrong if you want the doctor to fix it. You have to be honest with the counselor and tell the truth to the counselor if you want your situation to change. And we must be willing to tell God what we did, what we said, our attitudes, our actions that would block fellowship with him if we want to hear from heaven. Some of us treat our relationship with Jesus like we do that scale in the bathroom. If I don't take inventory of my life, it's going to be okay. I'll just settle in where I am, and we'll just keep going with the flow, status quo. As long as I don't know there's a problem or I don't define the problem, then maybe there's not really a problem. But your marriage won't get better if you don't pinpoint the problems, work on the problems. Your problem is communication, work on communication. Your problem is sticking to a budget, learn to stick to a budget. Your problem is neither of you know how to cook, so you eat out every meal. Learn to cook. There's this nifty thing called YouTube. Have you heard about it? You can Google anything and learn. No, you can't Google on YouTube. You can search anything on YouTube and learn how to do it. My point is this. It, it's time for us to kind of wake up to the status of our lives. Man, let's just run into 2024 fully alert, 
aware of our surroundings, understanding where we're at in life. And it's okay. If you gain 30 pounds, it would have been all right if this morning I had stepped on the scale and I had gained all the 60 pounds back that I had lost over the past year. It would have been fine. At least I would have known. Let's at least know. Let's know where we are. Let's understand where we are. Uh, Take remodeling, for example. Anyone ever remodeled your home or your house or your kitchen? A a few of us in the room. Okay, remodeling is, is a fun event, but you have to be willing to tear stuff out before you can put new stuff in. And remodeling is a little bit messy. And sometimes... It's a little bit hard to breathe. You know, I, um, th- this place I was at this week for a number of hours, they were having to cut out the ceiling because they were trying to find a leak, a water leak uh, in the office space. And I'm breathing the dust all, you know, for hours. And by the time I left that place, I feel like I'm, I'm sneezing sheetrock. Remodeling is messy. But it's much better to go through the mess of the remodel than just try to I don't know, slap some new lap siding on a building on top of all the rotted siding that's already there because eventually that rotted siding is going to ruin the new lap siding that you put on. We just got to learn to be okay with mess sometimes. We have to be okay to, to know that I've gained a few extra pounds this season or our marriage is a little bit unstable right now or my parenting is a little bit weak or my kids are not really doing the dishes properly. I didn't say Jordan. Anybody ready for a remodel, a home makeover, a next level living? Anybody in the room? I'm, I'm ready for 2024 to bring something new. There's a word of the year, I guess sometimes we get this word of the year. Anyone have a word for the year for 2024? You think about what this word, okay, we got a couple of people here, two or three, four or five uh, people. I do that almost every year. Uh, I think this year though, I'm not doing that because I feel like what the Lord is telling me is I'm not gonna be stepping into a word for the year. I'm gonna be stepping into words for seasons. Yeah, I, I think it's good, but I don't know. You know, sometimes God tells you something and you're like, that sounds so cool. And then you live it out and you're like, what the heck, God? What the heck? But I, I believe that I'm going to have some seasonal words. But I did try to, you know, create a conglomeration of the seasonal words. Like, I don't know what all the seasons are going to be. I think they're going to be exhilarating and fun and filled with faith. But I do, if I put them all under a heading, I think that the closest way I could articulate what I feel for 2024 for my life and for this church and for our city is the word unsettled. Yeah, unsettled. Now, if you look at the world around us, we see that it is increasingly becoming unsettled. And, and remember, this is an election year, and we're pretty close or not, if not in World War III, <laughs> so... 2024 is going to be great. But I'm not talking about that kind of unsettled. I don't sense the despair and the hopelessness settle over my heart when I hear the word unsettled. I'm talking about a holy unsettling. 
Far too many Christians, myself included, are settling for the natural when God wants us to step into the supernatural. I think there needs to be a shaking in the church, in the Rose Home, in the Exchange Church, in Round Rock, in God knows Austin, and maybe even Hutto. There needs to be a shaking and unsettling where our faith begins to stir again. I love how my wife got up and almost preached my sermon. We could have just said amen and gone to Chewy's when she was done. Because I'm encouraging you today to walk in faith. That's my goal for 2024, for there to be an unsettling. You know, David asked God for a lot of things. I mean, think about it. He asked God for peace in times of great trouble, for joy when the whole world, including his family members, were coming against him. David asked for victory over his enemies. He asked for prosperity. In fact, at one point, he was so desperate for prosperity, David said, I want prosperity now. It reminds me of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Violet. I want it now, you know, and then she turns into this big blueberry. Watch the movie. It's terrifying. (laughs) David wanted prosperity now. He asked for security and stability He asked for fresh outpouring. He asked for strength and more of the Spirit of God. He asked for freedom from despair and depression and sorrow. He asked for forgiveness and right standing before the Lord. And that God in his mercy would guide him and give him clear direction in every area of his life. David asked for a lot of things. And here's what I know. When you ask for a lot of things, that means you have a lot lacking. When you have a long laundry list of what you need from God, that means there's a lot of lack in your life. So David understands what you and I must be going through or have gone through or are about to go through in this area of potential lack. In Psalm 27, verse 13, David said this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, I would have lost heart. I would have given up. I would have walked away from my destiny. I would have walked away from my family. I would have walked away from my church, from my community, from my career. I would have walked away had I not had faith that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I love that. I love the fact that we get to hope in the goodness of the Lord here and now. Yes, there's a day coming where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and we're going to be in glory forever. We're going to be in heaven and it's going to be eternal bliss. But there's a promise for you today that you get to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It doesn't diminish the future promise that you have yet. That's still coming to you. But we don't have to wait for some glad morning when this life is all out. Fly away to a land. I don't know the song anymore. It's an old song. But we don't have to wait for the day to fly away because heaven's already come down. God has given you and I the capacity to have faith for the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That means that you can have hope for your family today. <laughs> you can have hope for your career today. You can have hope for your health today. In 
If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then the future is your friend. Look at your neighbor and say, the future is your friend. The future is your friend. You have nothing to fear. The title of my sermon today, it's one of two. I couldn't decide what I wanted to call it, so you choose. The first one is the power of belief. The power of belief. It's a good, solid, very religious title. Uh, The second title is a holy unsettling. A holy unsettling. You choose what fits your vibe. We're going to ask Holy Spirit to join us today. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I thank you that in the first Sunday, on the first Sunday of 2024, you're stirring the faith of your people. There is an unsettling that is hovering over the world. Economically, politically, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there is There's a shadow, there is a dark cloud that is rolling in over the world. But for the people that are hidden in you, for your people, this chosen generation, God, there is a holy unsettling that is stirring. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would be with us during the remainder time today as we dig into your word And we understand the power of belief and faith comes alive in our heart. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Faith. The power of belief. I have a a great example of the power of belief. Many of you know that my son, Micah, from Australia, and his daughter, my granddaughter, River, who is three years old, was here for the month of December. They stayed for Christmas, and then they left December 28th, 27th. Christmas Eve night we decided we were going to put out reindeer food. Now, for those of you in the room that might be offended that the pastors participate in worldly traditions, just, that's okay. I'm still going to heaven. I'll see you there, okay? And we'll see reindeer there. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, where was I? Carrie and my granddaughter were in the kitchen making reindeer food. Um, If there are any kids in the room, you can get that recipe from my wife. The reindeer absolutely love it. It's made out of oats and and cookie sprinkles and uh, something else. I'm sorry? Shiny, sparkly things. Yeah, it's amazing. Who knew that reindeer loved them so much? And especially in River's amount because River just poured the whole bottle of sprinkles in there. And so they made the reindeer food, and and keep in mind, by this point, River had been with us for three weeks in December, and every night, it was a fight to get her to go to bed. I mean, waterworks, screaming, crying, borderline abuse, uh, her, her towards her father, and she did not want to go to sleep. However, on Christmas Eve, we had the reindeer food, and we took it out to the front door, and we spread it in the yard. And Carrie had already told her, she said, River, when the reindeer see the sparkles, they know to stop at your house. And so River throws it, and we all take turns throwing some reindeer food. And Carrie says, oh, look, it's sparkling. Now the reindeer know. But before Carrie finished the sentence, River took off running into the house, opens the door and yells, come on, come on, come on, everybody, come on, and makes us come in. She 
was certain the reindeer were about to land, and she was terrified and excited all at once. I actually have a video starting from the front door, how easy it was to get this little girl in bed because of the reindeer food. Do we have that video ready to go? Oh gosh, those reindeer are coming in a minute now. Right upstairs, come, get closer. Here you come. I'm coming. Okay. <laughs> so good night, everyone. Good night. The very end. Daddy, can you sleep with me? <laughs> the power of faith. To believe in something caused so much change in that one moment. Carrie and I looked at each other and said, if she comes for another December, we're having reindeer food every night. We're introduced in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is the hall of fame for faith. Verse 11 and 12 introduces us to a person uh, that had a ton of faith. And I want to read about her. It says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So here in Hebrews chapter 11, we're introduced to a woman named Sarah. She is the wife of Abraham. And God had made a promise to them. He repeated it five times, in fact, in Genesis, the book of Genesis from chapters 12 through 21. Five times he repeats this promise that Abraham and Sarah were going to have a baby that would lead to the birth of a nation. That was a promise that they were going to have a baby. But the promise had a problem. The problem, number one, was that Sarah was barren, meaning her womb was not producing eggs. She was physically incapable of having a child. That was the first problem. The second problem uh, was that she was old, like 90 years old. And this was post-flood, so people weren't living to be seven or 800 years old at this time. Uh, 90 back then with Sarah's time was old. It was like 90 today. So she's got two problems. She's barren. She's physically incapable of conceiving. And even if she were capable of conceiving, she's old. Like if she were producing eggs, those eggs would be old. There's a promise, but there are problems that contradict the promise. And there are folks in the room, I'm quite sure, today who are barren. Life's not working for you. Your dreams have died. Your hopes have driven away. What you thought life should produce, what you hoped life would produce, is not being produced. And you're in a barren season with no life. And you're fully aware that John, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Yet even though you know Jesus said that, your life feels void. You're barren. Your passion is gone. Your purpose is gone. Your destiny seems dim. Your get up and go has get up and gone. You're barren. There are other people in the room, maybe you're not barren here, but maybe you have been waiting for God to do something for a very long time. 
you feel 11 months pregnant. You've been waiting for that opportunity. You've been waiting for that promotion. You've been waiting for that husband or that wife or whatever it is that you've been, and you're, you're ready for it. There is no lack of passion. You're just not seeing God move. It seems like you've been waiting so long that you're past the age. Some of us here feel like you should have been married by now. Others here are saying that my career is not going where I had hoped. I, I hope to be ahead of that by now. I'm stuck in the same old job and I thought God had something better for me. And you're running out of time. Some of you, like, like me, are approaching the age where you're looking at retirement and you're thinking, what happened? I, I, I was supposed to have been planning at the age of 22. I'm now, well, I'm 49. And I'm going to hold that 49 to the very last day, the 1159 of September 18th, till I turn 50. But even at 49, I don't feel a whole lot of hope with retirement. I'm running out of time. That was her situation. This was Sarah's situation. She was barren and she was out of time. Don't ever let facts cancel your faith. Verse 11, we read it earlier. It says, by faith, she got the ability to conceive. It doesn't say that God just gave her the ability to conceive. It says she got the ability by faith. I'm going to get the ability to retire by faith in Jesus' name. Mixing a little bit of action, I might just be all right. I'm going to get the ability to have a healthy family by faith. Healthy families just don't show up on your doorstep. You don't just one day have a great marriage. You're not just a great dad one day or a great husband or a great mom or a great wife, like these things are cultivated over time through faith. These are the benefits of being people of God. We, we can't let facts cancel out the faith. Sarah had the ability to conceive through faith. And even though the facts are not in your favor, the problem looks bigger than the promise. And that's, that's the reality. This is not a church where we deny reality. There are some churches... If you don't like reality, there are many churches that will just help you deny reality. I, I, I know people who, if you have a headache, if you tell them you have a headache, they say, no, you don't. No, you don't in Jesus' name. No, but I, I do. No, you don't. And, and then she would slap your forehead. Now, now, I've got a headache in the back end and in the front. Even though facts are not in your favor and the problem looks bigger than the promise, and that's the reality, while we're not denying the facts, we can't let the facts cancel the faith. It doesn't scare God for you to say you have a headache. It doesn't intimidate God that the doctor has given you a report of cancer. He's God. He's not moved by your reality. I, I think sometimes he, he watches us watch reality unfold and he's like, do you remember who you serve? Do you remember whose you are? Do you know who I am? 
God is not moved by the facts. And in this moment, Sarah is caught in a situation of a major promise. You and your man are going to have a baby. And that baby is going to be the father of a nation, a whole nation. I'm going to build a whole nation from you. So she's caught. And she decides that obviously God needs some help to fulfill his promise. So in Genesis chapter 16, she decides to help God out. Let's read that. Genesis 16, 1 through 4. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. He's like, okay, if you, if you insist. If I have to go sleep with all these people, that's okay. I'm just obeying you, Sarah. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar the maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan, so he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. So she gets a promise from God, looks at the facts, looks at the reality, and then looks around at more facts to see how I can get these other facts and circumstances of my life, my maidservant, to accomplish the will of God for my life, the promise of God for my life. Rather than letting God fulfill the promise and allowing God to bring the promise, she starts trying to manipulate life and control life so that she can see the promise of God come to pass. That's the temptation. That's the temptation we all face when you've been trusting God for something and God hasn't come through. The temptation is to retreat to the flesh. That thing that you can control. The flesh is a human approach to solve a problem different than the way God wants it done. Sarah was trying to help God out. She says, perhaps God's promise was going to come through me giving you, Abram, to my maidservant. So she goes to the flesh to accomplish the work of the Spirit. Hear me, church. We got to stop going to the flesh to accomplish the work of the Spirit. There are some things that God wants to uproot in your life, and it's not through a program or a series or a number of steps. It's through prayer and fasting. There are some Areas of healing that God wants to do in your past and in your inner world and in your, your mind. And, and, and it's not through reading more self-help books. It's through surrendering your, your heart and your life to the creator and allowing him to do surgery on you. Sarah went to the flesh to accomplish a work of the spirit. Abraham is intimate with Hagar. Maybe you know the story. They have a baby named Ishmael. And those two brothers have been fighting ever since. Isaac was the promised son. And then they have Ishmael under the maidservant Hagar. Those two brothers, Isaac and Ishmael, have been fighting to this day. Isaac is the father of the Jews, the Jewish nation. Ishmael is the father of the Arabs. God blessed Ishmael, said he was going to give him much fruit as well, going to develop a nation out of him as well. But they've been at it to this day, all because Sarah decided she wanted to solve God's promise. 
And this principle of flesh and spirit based on Hagar is brought up in the New Testament, by the way. So it applies to you and I. I'll take you there really quickly. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondswoman, the other by a free man. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. One was born through the flesh, one was born through promise. Then we'll jump down to verse 27. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. That's you. The writer is talking to the church in Galatia. This is a New Testament church. They're talking to you and to me. You and I, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. You are a child of promise. You're not a child that resulted from the seed of flesh. You're the child of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. So he takes Abraham and he, he talks to the Galatians, which is you and I. And his point is, don't be a bondwoman's baby. Don't let your life be the result of leaning into the flesh. It says one of them has to go. The bondwoman and the bondwoman's baby has to go. Or the wife and the wife's baby has to go. They both can't stay in this. The promise and the flesh can't stay in the same house. One of them has to go. So if you want to experience the promises of God in 2024. The decision you have to make in order to experience that power is to not let the flesh help out the spirit. Even when it looks like there is no way of escape. Even when it looks like that promise is not going to come. I know your, your intellect is amazing and you are smart and you can figure out the puzzle pieces and try to make it happen. But I think it's time for us just to let God bring his word to us. Rather than us bring a fulfilled promise to him. In Genesis 17... God tells him the promise again. And in verse 17, Abraham fell on his face and laughed. I wonder if you might have a promise from God that makes you laugh. <laughs> when you hear it, that you're like, there, 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 there's just no way that this can happen. There, there's just no way that that restoration can take place. There is just no way that that, that amount of wholeness can happen. Abraham laughed. And then in Genesis 18, the very next chapter, we see that Sarah's at the tent. She's already heard the promise multiple times. And, and God and Abraham are talking outside the tent. God says, 
the promise again. And Sarah, who's listening in the tent door, in verse 11, now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I had grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? I think that's so hilarious. My Lord being old also. She's saying, I ain't the only one with the problems in the house. He's old. I'm going to find... You just read that verse again and it's funny. It's funny. And she laughs outside the tent. And then the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh? And Sarah denies laughing. <laughs> this is probably my favorite black text in all of scripture. She laughs because she's old and she knows her husband is really old. And then she thinks she's hiding behind the tent and God says, why did she laugh? And Sarah says, I didn't laugh. And then the text says, oh, but you did. I don't think we've seen any faith from Sarah at this point. We've seen no faith from Sarah at this point. No faith from Sarah on the promise that was spoken over her. We see no faith, yet Hebrews tells us that she's in the hall of fame of faithers because of the faith she had to conceive, and I'm not seeing it. And that's good news for us. Because the fulfillment of the promise of God is not on your ability to hold faith. In chapter 18, she's laughing and not only laughing, denying to God that she laughed. And in chapter 21, Isaac. In those three chapters between her laughing at the promise and 21, her seeing the promise. What happens? How did her faith shift? There's only two things that I read about that can make any sense to me. Number one, Sarah was a witness to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah was, were two cities in sin, in the sin of homosexuality, uh, all kinds of immoral thing. God, God actually was going to use Lot. Lot wanted to be used, but Lot had to be rescued because God was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. Sarah witnessed the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's one thing. I, I can't imagine what that must have been like. Could you imagine just standing off afar and seeing the meteors or whatever, whatever God used to bring destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah to just realize in that moment just how big God is. So so Sarah had an awareness of how big God is. I'm not sure that that caused the faith for her to conceive, but then we find that she was taken to be in the harem of Abimelech. Sarah and Abram are walking along and Abimelech comes up and Sarah's 90, but she's looking fine. Even at, you know someone is like nice looking when at 90, Abram is so scared because his wife is so good looking, he lies and says, this is not my wife, this is my sister. So Abimelech takes her as his wife and Abimelech has a dream and says, in fact, I think I might have that. I love what God said in Genesis 23, Abimelech in a dream by night, God said to Abimelech, indeed, you are a dead man. 
because of the woman you have taken. And Abimelech woke up and he's like, but I didn't know. They said, it, they said she was my sis, the sister. I didn't know that was his wife. And so Sarah gets sent back to Abraham. She's rescued from the house of Abimelech. But here's the deal. Every woman in Abimelech's house, in his royal court, and in his town became barren when Sarah was taken. The same condition that Sarah had, God sent to the entire town and the house of Abimelech. And when Sarah was released, Abraham prayed that Abimelech would be well, and all the people were able to conceive again. And in that moment, just before conception of Isaac, Sarah had an awareness that God decides who conceives and who doesn't. It doesn't matter if I'm barren. It doesn't matter if I'm past the age. It doesn't matter my flesh and my heart may fail. But the word of the Lord will stand forever. So in this series, I believe, I'm going to challenge us to put our flesh where it belongs and to let your spirit man rise up. Starting next week, we're going to do a seven-day fast. I'm going to teach on fasting next week. I'm going to help you become all that God wants you to become through, through your willingness, your surrender, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you stand with me today? I don't want to settle for fleshly results. Do you? I don't, want to, I don't want to settle for the things that I can create in my life. I want the power of God to create something new and fresh in my life. Thank you, Jesus. children of Israel were in Egypt. They were in bondage and slavery. There was lack. When they moved into the wilderness, they had just enough. They had enough. Not more than enough, just enough. If they tried to save the manna, it would be eaten by worms and it would mold and decay. You, you remember that story? So Egypt is before you know Jesus, but the wilderness is kind of represents our sonship. When you become a son, when you become a daughter, you're guaranteed to always have enough. But then there's another stage. Many of us get stuck in the wilderness of just believing God for enough. There's another place where it's called more than enough. It's the promised land. We move, we move from slavery to sonship to soldier. When you begin to fight in the spirit, when you begin to see the world differently, like everything is a, a, a spirit component, and you begin to step into things like prayer and fasting, you move from the wilderness to the promised land where you become a, a soldier. That's in the promised land where you get on the enemy's radar. You know, there are some demons, by the way, their only job is to combat fasting. 
It says some of them only come out through prayer and fasting. They, they only respond to fasting. So I'm, I'm asking you over the next seven days. Ask God what he wants you to do for this seven-day fast. Fasting, we'll talk more about it next week, but it's where you give something up in the physical realm just to hold on to something and take hold of something in the spiritual realm. Many of us will fast food. Some of us will fast video games, boys. Some of us will fast TV, Netflix. Some of us will fast complaining. Oh, that'd be good. Some of us will fast yelling, raising our voice. You can't fast work. You can't fast healthy food. But come prepared next Sunday with an idea of what you might fast. And I'm going to walk you through it, walk you through the process. We're going to do this together, and we're going to see God move. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I ask that you would unseat some things in our heart, that you would unsettle the flesh, unsettle the desires, unsettle the systems, the lies, the things that we have established very deeply in our lives and in our heart. God, I ask that you would, you would just rock the boat a little bit, allow our faith to be stirred in 2024. God, I thank you that no matter what the world is going through, as dark as the world may go, the church continues to get brighter. God, I thank you that we get brighter because you are the light of the world. Stir our faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right, one final announcement before I let you go. I would like you to start preparing for the first week of February. We're doing an outreach for our homeless. I would like you to start collecting dark colored, help me out, Carrie, backpacks, hats, and gloves. Dark colored backpack, hats, and gloves. They don't like orange or yellow or hot pink because it makes them a target on the street. They prefer dark, so we want to accommodate them. So as you see things on sale or, or God moves on you to go to garage sales or whatever your finances allow, Start bringing them to the church, and we'll coordinate a drop-off with all of us going, whoever wants to go, uh, at the beginning of February. All right, I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Now that you've been to church, go be the church. God bless you.